0: Hello church family. Last Sunday was Resurrection Sunday. What a great opportunity to celebrate together that was. Resurrection Sunday. And and last week we talked about the fact that because Jesus rose from the dead, we too as followers of Jesus will be raised again to new life. We too will be have resurrected bodies. And that's where we really pick up this morning as we continue in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, we pick up right there and, and continue this topic of what it will be like for us after this earthly life when Jesus returns uh, and all those exciting things. So open your Bibles to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, turn with me, follow along. Uh, we love for you to have your own Bible on your lap or your Bible app and uh, follow along in God's word. So we'll be in a, in a moment, we'll start at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 uh, and verse 35. So this is, this is a letter in our Bible called 1 Corinthians, written by a church leader to early Christians in a town called Corinth. And, and last Sunday, we talked about the fact that they believed that Jesus had risen from the dead, but they weren't so sure that we followers of Jesus will be resurrected someday as well. And so in our passage this morning, verse 35, they, they ask, uh, Paul, the author, is, is writing back to them and answering this question. Verse 35, But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come See, these, these early Christians are going, how is this possible? We know that our earthly bodies are subject to disease and, and, they, and they fall apart and, and eventually die. How are we made for life eternal? And so perhaps that's why they had just given up on the idea of resurrection entirely. They thought, how is it possible for our body to live forever? So there must not be a resurrection from the dead for, for believers. So Paul, the author, has already addressed that in our passage last week, and now he's addressing their question, okay, well, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? And so you can see perhaps what the Corinthians were worried about here. Perhaps what they were picturing, not able to, not able to understand a way that we could live eternal, they were picturing that this resurrection future would be a decayed corpse raised from the dead, uh, uh, reanimated somehow. In other words, perhaps they were thinking, or what we may have thought was, okay, so you're saying we're going to be resurrected? You mean we're going to be zombies? What's up with that? Verse 36. You foolish person. What you sow in the ground does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be but what goes into the ground is but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. So here the author uses the example of a a seed turning into a crop, a seed turning into a plant or a tree to give us the picture of of continuity, that there's continuity between our earthly body and our future glorified body, our resurrected body. There is continuity. Like that seed that, that turns into a plant there is some molecular continuity between the seed and its eventual plant, right? It, there's a built-in kind of a DNA that stays the same. There's a continuity. Well, that tells us what our, what our resurrection future may be like, that, that the body is the same, yet different. The same, but not the same. It's, it's perhaps this body that we have, but adapted to eternal existence. So what is it that there's continuity? Perhaps there's uh, some, con, uh, some continuation of our, of our identity, of our, of our person, and yet different. We gotta be careful though not to push past what the Bible says to us about our future resurrection and, our, and what our glorified body will be like. We, we may have some ideas, but we don't wanna push beyond what the Bible actually says. So, we really don't know exactly what our glorified body will be like. Now, could Jesus' resurrected body that we see in scriptures, that we hear stories about in the scriptures, could Jesus' resurrected body give us some clues? Perhaps. Jesus' body was tangible. He could be touched, he uh, could eat, he could appear and disappear. It seemed even that he would pass through locked doors. That sounds kinda like superpowers. (laughs) Is that gonna be true for us too, as followers of Jesus in our resurrected bodies? I don't know, maybe, maybe not. Maybe that's just a Jesus thing. Maybe that's just a son of God thing. But more important for you and I, our resurrection future, our resurrected bodies will mean whole body existence, body and soul, in the presence of God, living with him in the new heavens and the new earth. Verse 42. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. So these couple of verses here now uh, explain the idea of discontinuity. that, That there are some things, remember we talked about continuity, there are some ways that there is continuity from our earthly body, our earthly body to our glorified body. But there are also, there are also things that, that show discontinuity, where the, where the one is very different from the other. First of all, the perishable, what, what can die, becomes imperishable, that cannot die. These verses explain that the, our earthly body is sown in the ground, so to, in death, so to speak, and it becomes a body made for eternity. Our earthly body is is lowly in comparison to the glorious reality of a resurrected body, of a glorified body, um, thanks to God's work in our lives. So I'm not sure about superpowers, but I know that we won't be zombies. Verse 45, thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. See, the first Adam, this refers to that first human man, Adam. The first Adam was, had a corruptible body, a, a, a body that was, would succumb to disease and death. And he, you remember back in the, in the story of Genesis at the beginning of our Bible, that corruptible body was, was animated by God's breath. He was given life by God breathing life into him. The last Adam... Is a is a um, is a reference to Jesus. The last Adam, he was raised from the dead, as we celebrated last Sunday, and his resurrection gave him an imperishable body. He had lived as a man, as a human. He was he died and rose again, and in the resurrection uh, was given this imperishable body, animated, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Let's keep going at verse 48. As was the man of dust, Adam, the first Adam, as was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. You and me, human beings that have been made and descended from Adam, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we, followers of Jesus, just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Our our bodies will resemble both. We will experience both resembling the first Adam in in a a physical and corruptible body now, and, and then receiving someday in the future a glorified body like Jesus. I want to read just a few verses to you from Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 17. Brothers, Join in imitating me. See, the author could say, you imitate me as I imitate Jesus. I'm following Jesus, so you imitate me. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and tell you now even with tears, many I've told you about walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Verse 20, but our citizenship, followers of Jesus, where we belong, our true identity, our true citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is coming back, who will return Verse 21, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. What a future we have because of Christ, because he lived and died and rose again, and, and that new life shows that we too can have new life through Jesus. What a future we have because of Jesus. New life now, rich, meaningful, full, abundant life as we follow Jesus now, and eternity in the presence of God, living in the new heavens and the new earth in our resurrected bodies. So as we always do, it's been good to take a few minutes to study God's word and as we continue our journey through the letter in our Bible called 1 Corinthians. And we're going to continue to do that here the next few weeks as well. But I actually want to shift gears a bit. If you don't mind, I want to take the the rest of the time we have here together this morning just to share some things with you, some things that I've been thinking about, some things that the staff and elders have been thinking about and beginning to brainstorm and pray about. And I want to bring all of you, my church family, in on this and encourage you to be thinking and praying along these lines with us. But first, I guess let me start here that, you know, again, we know we are all in this unique situation, this odd time of life with, with the swirling circumstances and uncertainty going on around us. I know that some of you are employed and some of you are not. Some of you, a life is continued as usual and some not. Some of you are busy as usual and some are not. Some of you are enjoying this season and, and the differences that come with it. I, Obviously, we're sad, and we hurt with those who are hurting uh, because of the coronavirus, and we, we want to think of and pray for uh, those people and, and those families affected. But as, in, uh, as we consider what our lives are changed or not changed, that's what I'm talking about. Some of us are, are enjoying the, the slowing down of our, uh, the daily rhythms, the, the changes to our schedule. But, but perhaps you are not. Some of you are are feeling connected with people still, even as we stay home to stay healthy, even as we honor social distancing recommendations. Perhaps some of you are feeling connected to other people, and and, and there are some in our church family who are not, who are isolated and and, and not sure of, of, of how to stay connected. What do we do about all this? Here's the question we've been asking in recent weeks. How can we followers of Jesus, faith, church, family, how can we continue to be the church in this time when we cannot go to a church building? How does does being a Christian continue? How does being the church continue? Isn't it possible to continue growing spiritually spiritually? Isn't it possible to continue enjoying the fellowship and relationship with other Christians, other, our brothers and sisters in Christ? Isn't it possible to continue to live out the ways of Jesus, showing God's love to the world and proclaiming the good news of Jesus, even in these limited circumstances? I wanted to tell you we've appreciated um, so much, the, the staff and I have appreciated so much the notes and comments that we've heard, the thanks that we've heard, and the encouragement we've heard for the fact that we have continued to offer these online uh, worship opportunities on Sundays. And and we're gonna continue to do that. Um, We will continue to do that. This is an important part of being a church family. But you know, early on, a few weeks ago, I told our staff and our elders, "I I don't want us to be zombies, so to speak. I don't want us to just go through the motions Of church. I don't want us to just uh, put all of our time and energy into recreating what we used to do in a building and just do that same thing online. Why? Why am I saying I don't want to be zombies and just go through the motions and kind of get by just doing the bare minimum or doing what we think we should should do in in switching online? Because the reason is, is because I want to know what God has for us In this time of history, in this season of our lives, with these certain circumstances and with these limitations and not being able to gather in person as a large group church family, what does God want us to see, hear, learn in this? Because I know that God doesn't waste anything. The God we serve and worship is a great God, the creator of all things, who is sovereign over all. There is nothing that has gotten out of his hands. Everything that happens goes across his desk, so to speak. Our God is at work. He doesn't waste anything. And, and in, in all things, he's at work for our good and his glory. So if that's true, if God doesn't waste anything, I want you and me To have the opportunity, I want us to have the time and space to consider how does God want to work in us and through us right now? We've meant it. You know, when we've said this a few times recently, we've meant it when we say that we want to use this opportunity. Church family, let's use this opportunity that life is giving us right now to learn how we can be the church how we can continue to be the church, how we can continue to be Christians and growing in in Christ, even now, even in the midst of this, not having to just wait and wait and get by until things go back to normal. If God doesn't waste anything, don't be a zombie and go through the Christian motions. Don't be a zombie and just try to get by Until this is over, what does it look like for you and I to be a Christian when we can't go to the building? Now, don't get me wrong. I can't wait for us to get back together in person. We look forward to that day. The Bible commands us to celebrate together, to gather together, to celebrate the gospel, to worship God, and to encourage one another. And so we will. We will be back together, hopefully sooner than later. But I also believe that God wants to use this time to help us grow in him. How do we follow Jesus when we can't check the box of being in the building on Sunday, absorbing some information, and shaking a few hands? That's why I love the stories I'm hearing from many of you, about others in our church family. I love the stories I've heard of your care for one another, of how you're reaching out and staying in contact and running errands for each other and checking in and being conduits of God's love to one another. I love those stories, keep it up. Because the reality is, is that we leaders, we we staff and elders, we can't care perfectly well for everyone in our church family. We, we love you. The staff and elders love you. And we're working hard to stay in contact and to be praying for you and to be available in, to help in any way that we can. So please, let us know. But, and we're gonna continue to do that. But even more effective is the exponential potential that we have as a church family. If, if we all realize this, if you realize this, if I realize this, that all followers of Jesus are Holy Spirit-empowered ministers of the gospel. That God, that you, follower of Jesus, as you have trusted your life to God, he has filled you with the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit has given you what you need to live for him. And so we are all spirit-empowered ministers of the gospel, conduits of God's love to those around us and proclaimers of the good news of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and how life, true life, is found only by putting our faith in Jesus. The exponential potential of that. And here's what I mean by that. I remember years ago when I was a young Christian that this example was given to me and, and they were speaking about evangelism about sharing the good news of Jesus with others and how there was kind of these two ways we were comparing of how we could reach the most people. How could we share the good news with the most people? And, you know, one example was kind of in, 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 in Billy Graham style, you know, if we had the opportunity to stand in front of a group of 10,000 people every night and preach the good news every night for weeks and weeks and months, that would be an incredible number of people that we would get to share the good news of Jesus with, right? But then the comparison was, while that was an impressive number of people, first of all, how realistic is it that you and I will have an opportunity to speak gospel truth to to crowds of 10,000 every night? But second, but here's what the comparison was. The comparison was, what if instead we consider sharing the good news this way, that you share with a couple people that I'm investing in the life of a couple people, and we expect that those people will in turn share the good news with others who will in turn share the good news with others. What if I'm investing in a couple who invest in a couple who invest in a couple? We see this exponential potential. And can you imagine how well cared for our church family would be then if we apply that principle to our sharing and caring and checking in and reaching out, calling each other, listening to one another, and praying for one another. I would love to see God do that in our midst in this season where we can't be all together in a building, but where we absolutely can continue to be the church. So don't be a zombie. Our future is a resurrection future. Our future is living in the new heavens and the new earth in a glorified body, in the presence of God. And so we, we can start now. That is future. That is reality for us in the future. But there are ways in which we can begin living into that right now. We can begin living out our faith, living out the ways of Jesus now, in the circumstances we're in now. So would you, would you do something for me to, today? And I'm going to remind you in a few more minutes too. Would you ask yourselves, would you begin to think, would you begin to pray, would you even discuss and pray with one another, whoever you're around, your family, or give someone in our church family a call and talk this through, how does God want to work in you right now? How are we going to be changed individually and as a church family? How are we going to be changed by what we're going through? in our world right now how are we going to be changed for the better when we go back to normal at some point in the future what are we going to take with us what is God stirring in us now how are we changing now what are we learning now what's working for us now as a church family that we want to continue into the future let's be asking God to show us that would you pray with me let's pray Father in heaven, we are so thankful that you, for all that you have done for us through Jesus. Father, we thank you that you are a God, not who stays distant from us, but who has come near to us through Christ and who comes near to us by sending your spirit to live within us. Father, we thank you for the hope we have because of Jesus. We thank you for true life now and life eternal because of the life, death, and resurrection of your son. Father, we want to, in thankfulness, live for you in all we do. God, we pray that you would help us, our lives, to reflect your greatness. We we pray that you would help our lives to reflect your goodness to us. As you fill us with your love, would our lives overflow your love to those around us? God, we want to live for you in all we do, and this morning we want to continue to worship you in every way. We want to continue to lift our voice in song, we want to give our offerings, we want to say our prayers, all out of thankfulness for your goodness to us. So as we continue to worship this morning, we want to recognize before we give our offering that all we have is from you, that you are a generous God, that you have, that you have given us so much through Jesus, and so, as, as an act of worship, we want to demonstrate our trust in you. We want to trust you in every area of our life, including our finances. And so, God, we give willingly, sacrificially, thankful to all that you've done for us,